Guys, we are the Filipino Fridays podcast. I am your host, OJ, along with my co-hosts. Archie, hey! What's up, y'all? It's Archie, yeah? And welcome back to another episode. This episode is dedicated to the halfers out there, the mestizos, the half-whites, the half-blacks, the half-blues, the half-purples, <laughs> the half-everything. The good-looking people out there that run Filipino cinema. Yeah. This is for you guys. This is for all the Miss Universes out there. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Half-Filipinos are sexy. We, 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 They're fine. I'm going to put it right out there, man. Mix anybody with us. We come out with some bomb-looking people some sexy mother like anything <laughs> like even like half Japanese half like other Asian like it's just yeah so, yeah but half so Filipinos pretty, man it's different just yeah there's so, they got the they, we got the sauce man we got the sauce that's it we yeah. do, we do, you, do you know of any uh, halfers that you uh, ever had a crush on when you were a kid <laughs> yo 100% there was this half half Spanish half Filipino girl she was straight fire fire and it's beyond all all halfers i always when you know what when i hear there's half filipino half filipino i don't it always makes my head turn around because <laughs> i want to know what they look like because they always end up looking good guy or girl right yeah you know back in the day when like import models were like huge mm-hmm. i feel like um yeah there were some import models that really like put it out there waving the filipino <laughs> you know, culture yeah the import model scene there was a lot of them that end up looking filipino but they're not but they have a face of like you know danny real i was yeah. literally typing that on my phone <laughs> danny real danny real is half chinese half white but she looks filipino right and we got a ufc card girl Ariane Celeste. Yes. Ariane Celeste. She's, she's sexy. She's sexy. Obviously, Miss Universe. Mm-hmm. And for the you know for the girls out there that like the half half guys, you know the Bruno Mars, the James Reeds, <laughs> the yeah. Daniel Padillas, you know. <laughs> I don't know if he's half, but them light skins. <laughs> all I know is the Filipino show business. Mestizo is the way to go. Yeah, for guys, man, we, we, we got some Vanessa Hudgens in there, some Nicole Scherzinger in there, you know, some oh my God. Billy Crawford's in there, like, just Darren, Chris, like, we could keep going Katrina on. Katrina Gray. Yeah, we got some beautiful people. So for all of you halfers, mixed Filipinos, Blasians, this episode is for you. What is the topic about and why does this pertain to our halfer Filipinos? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about cultural identity? Yeah, so actually our guest today is going to talk about cultural identity and the struggles that came with it when they grow up because I feel like many half Filipinos struggle with who they are, what they are, what should they, what, what, how should they think, what they should practice, who they should side with, and ultimately that results into them, into their adulthood thinking that they are not Filipino enough or they just completely reject the Filipino-ness in them. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for example, when the whole like George Floyd thing happened, um, one of my half friends and I, 
were um, talking and just discussing the whole situation. And she she did not know how to feel at all because she's half Filipino, half white. And she told me, she said, well, like, I've seen racism on both sides and I just don't really know where to put myself or like how to like think pretty much, you know. And today we have a guest. Her name is... Cheryl Williams. She is a halfer. She's originally from Arizona. She's a, she resides now in Chicago. And actually, she's our first guest to DM us. Yeah. Thank and, you, Cheryl. Yeah, to DM us and show support. And we decided to have her on our podcast today. And you get to hear her story. Yeah. What's really uh, special about um, hearing Cheryl's story is that obviously there's so many mixed Filipino out there or half Filipinos out there especially out in the US um, out here in the diaspora even in Canada and you know I'm sure many of you out there have really asked the question like who am I where do I fit in this am I Filipino am I white am I black who am I like why don't I know more about my Filipino identity? What we want to encourage for those of y'all who are listening to this episode, right? We hope that you are inspired by the type of work um, our guest had, has had to do, um, especially when you're alone in learning, you know, to discover your own roots, right? It's a lot of hard work um, doing some self-study, uh, doing some self-education, reading up on books, reading up online, you know, even taking up a Rosetta Stone and trying to learn Tagalog, right? Trying to really immerse um, themselves and getting to know the Filipino part of them. So, but as we said in our first episode, right? Don't matter if you're half Filipino, you are Filipino enough, right? Mm-hmm. You're part of our community, right? It's a, it's in your blood and that's why we're showing you some love. So yeah, your roots are deeper than you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's get right into it. Let's introduce our guest, Cheryl Williams. Hey, Hi! (laughs) I'm so excited. I said I feel like that's a typical answer. Like I'm so happy to be here, but I'm genuinely so happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I currently live in Chicago. Uh, I recently graduated from uh, musical theater with a musical theater degree. I was born in Okinawa, Japan, and I came here. uh, My dad was a U.S. vet, and then um, we immigrated here when I was very young. Most of my memories are being here in the States. And it really wasn't anything that was ever brought up. It was never like the food was there, but it was never really, that was never really taught to us. It was just kind of like my mom made it and it was like, you see, you do. And the language was never really taught to us. There were never any reasons why it was never taught to us. But as I became older and as I've moved from different states to state and I used to live in Las Vegas, I used to live in Arizona and now I live in Illinois. Different experiences have kind of woken me up to it. I think I started recognizing more of more of being a person of color when I lived in Arizona because there's a lot of um, Hispanics who live there. And so you kind of get some of the cultural similarities, but it's still not the same. Um, that kind of familiar sense. And when I moved here to Chicago, knowing knowing oneself seems to be a, a large component of the atmosphere here. And so when I was in a show, that was kind of something that was being asked about was what were your experiences of being a person of color 
And I found that I didn't really have too many negative experiences of being a person of color because my mom, I, in that particular moment, I realized that my mom had done her best to shelter me from that. It was very much that's, I, that was when I kind of started picking up the stereotypes of like, keep your head down, do your work and realize that's how I had structured my life was it's not something worth addressing because it's not something worth bringing up. So keep your head down, do your work and you can do whatever you want to do. The color of your skin shouldn't be an issue. But as you become older and as a, as a Filipino American, I found myself feeling like I was being raised as an American who looked Filipino versus being a Filipino American, an actual amalgamation of the two cultures. And so when that started happening, I, I really felt a huge cultural identity crisis of what is being Filipino. So you mentioned that you faced a little bit of a cultural identity crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was so much. And like being neck deep in school and all of that, it's, it kind of flitted in here and there, but was never something I could truly focus on. So I would start asking my mom questions and I was met with a lot of resistance and, and not like aggressive resistance, but it was always like, mom, uh, like what dialect do we speak? I met somebody who said this. So like, what, where, where are we located? What does that all mean? And um, learning more and more about it is we're like, I guess more specifically, we're part of the Bicol region, which I was like, okay, cool. So start re- trying to research that. But with all of the resistance that I met, I truly found like, okay, so this is something I'm going to have to do on my own. And that was hard to hear or hard to feel because a lot of the reasons why I kind of really started stepping towards this was because with the Filipino culture, because I just didn't know how to, I started seeing where it was being denied in my two siblings' lives and how my mom was continuing that. And then I realized, well, if she goes, if we want to go back to the Philippines, there really won't be anybody there to kind of help us have the opportunity to kind of reconnect all of that. And even beyond that, it's it's part of that being Filipino enough of I'm, I am Filipino enough to learn the language. I am Filipino enough to cook the food. I am Filipino enough because I laugh just as loud as everyone else in the room. I am Filipino enough because it got the little button nose. Like it's all these little things that make me Filipino enough that there's no reason why, because, because of just where I live. Yeah. Um, I got to say, it's really incredible that you've kind of, you know, taken into yourself to discover that part of your heritage and the part of your identity. Um, I've encountered a lot of people who, you know, they've gone through most of their adult life really struggling, trying to figure out, like, what is it about me that's Filipino other than like my skin color? and maybe my like features, but it was definitely difficult to resonate with it, especially when you're not exposed to it or your parents don't share it, or, um, you know, maybe you just weren't in a place that had that many Filipinos, but you know, it's like, it's, I have to really commend you for that because, um, it, 
um, knowing and having have witnessed, you know, some of their experiences as well. Like it, it, um, it leaves a lot of them feeling lonely. It leaves a lot of them feeling isolated because, you know, there's this whole uh, diaspora of Filipinos <laughs> and then like a whole large number of people in this community. And yet you're totally distanced from it. Right. And it's not even just, you know, the Filipinos, let's say in the Philippines, it's even the Filipinos within your own community. And it's like, just, you know, it's like, how do I connect with that person? Like, how do I relate? I just never knew how I, especially when it's withheld from you. Right. Um, and, you know, to understand um, a lot of uh, older parents or the older generation, it really was the struggle of immigrating here and having to assimilate and also encountering some of those toxic Filipino traits. Right. That they really just protect and shield, the, protect and shield their children to the point that they're actually disconnected from their heritage. Right. I'm sure that's probably not their intention. Maybe there are some where that is the intention, but, you know, it's just incredible kind of the work that you've um, you've uh, put that put in, especially with kind of keeping in mind, like maybe one day mom is going to be gone. And really, she's the only other connection you have right now that's so close to you with what it means to be Filipino. So. You know, what experience was you shared it with me, but I definitely would love for you to share it with our listeners. Um, what experience was the catalyst into looking more about what it means to be Filipino? I know you mentioned with connecting with a director. I think you shared with me um, when it came to being casted, actually. Right. But the story of a black mixed child and the other one is an Asian mixed child and the mother is a um, linguist for the military and she goes missing. but the reason why the children are mixed is because of adoption and it's not necessarily brought up, but that's what we chatted about on our table work. But it, it was, that was something that hit me was that was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And I automatically signed up for it. And then I, it was within that show and doing that work. That was when I had my strongest cultural identity crisis and was really feeling the need to kind of stand, stand my ground on being, half white and half Filipino in because we were having moments of, of these really deep conversations of um, racial identity and how how society has worked against it and oppressed and oppressed each individual one of ours because everyone was from a different kind of background nobody was the same so we all spoke from different backgrounds and it really became kind of awkward for me because when it came around to me I think the worst thing that I said and I apologize for the for the for the term but the worst thing that I felt like that had happened to me was um, somebody when I was eight years old called me a chink on a bus I never got angry I got confused because I was like I'm one, that's horrible. Two, I'm not Chinese. And so there was always that confusion. And then I felt that confusion all over again. And I was like, I, how, I am Asian, but I'm not that type of Asian. I'm the Asian that nobody really thinks about when they think of Asian stereotypes. And you go into these rooms and you go into the rooms of theater auditions and they ask you all like, well, it's, it becomes a guessing game. It becomes this guessing game of, of, oh, well, in theater, you really want to try to break in. You go in with these hopes of, you know, our, our job is to get that audition. Our job is to change these directors' minds and hope that we can push that representation more. But you go in and they ask you, well, what kind of Asian are you? 
And it's like, does it matter? Why should it matter? And because I'm already auditioning for outside of what you're asking me for anyways. And then it becomes a fun game for them. And then you're sitting there feeling like somebody's trying to poke and prod and fit you into other things where historically speaking, like in film, Filipinos are never cast as Filipinos. They're cast as Mexicans. They're cast as Vietnamese. They're cast as Laotians sometimes. They're cast as all of these different things, but we're never cast as Filipinos. And there's so much history in our culture and going between like having to learn that like the culture of the Philippines itself and then how that affects the Filipino American experience. And then on top of the problem with that is a lot of the times when they are cast, they're usually what you would call quote unquote passing because they are of fairer skin. They they fit along the fairer skin, Hispanic looking types. It doesn't actually create true diversity you're not giving anyone a kind of true representation that they deserve. And so in, in finding all of this and seeing all of it literally in front of my eyes. And with that, I have started looking up so many Filipino, like Filipino American directors, Filipino directors who were working here in the States to put my foot down on that and go, these stories need to be told. And like Lingua Franca, the new one that just, uh, that was on Netflix and about a trans woman who's come to the States for her green card by staying here. And that is such a common story that happens with Filipinos who come here and they're not always in the best situations. And going into that kind of work, not only do I want to break the stereotype of Filipinos don't talk about mental health, Filipinos don't talk about really sex or sexual identity or anything like that. And being a Filipino American who is a bisexual in a heteroreprepresentative relationship, there's a need for these kind of stories from all aspects of the Filipino culture that need to be told and need to be told safely. And so like I... I really am trying to like find those people to connect with, to kind of help bring those stories up versus trying to just fill in the need, you know? Definitely. Like what is the story out there for me? Why isn't my Filipino story being told? Like how come there isn't a story out there that describes the struggle with, you know, being like half white, half Filipino, being bisexual, like why there's so many Filipinos. (laughs) How come our story is not important enough or why is it not acknowledged enough for somebody to tell? There's a lot of creatives and creators out there who are definitely trying to push the boundary of um, really championing for Filipino stories to be told. It's just a matter of really changing the industry and breaking through that. Like I know kind of the Asian um, the Asian story is now, um, you know, becoming more and more common, you know, with the crazy rich Asians and, and um, Kim's convenience. We obviously support it. We're happy for our fellow, let's say, Asian stories. But where is my place in the table? Like, where is my seat in the table in that? So for you to really kind of look into that and, and strive for that, that's incredible. And I know there's so many people out there um, who are in the same industry as you that are also trying to really change that narrative, especially like what you mentioned before. Like, I think it's just incredible that Filipino stories are not told more often because Filipinos have the most ability to speak English and to actually communicate <laughs> their own stories. <laughs> It might be accented, it might be a bit of broken English, but for the most part, a lot of other people, other people do understand what Filipinos 
are saying, like, because of the fact that, you know, we were colonized, the way that our syllables are set up, it, it really mirrors the American alphabet. It's just there, there is, um, we're so much more able to tell our stories and we have the ability to tell our stories, but yet it's not being heard. So that definitely is something that we're hoping to see change, you know, in the future. Um, there's a lot of folks out there that are working really hard and, you know, I'm sure it's been difficult for them to keep on pushing that narrative, but it me- it means a lot. It, their heart's behind it, you know, to really have to talk and share about their culture, especially with so many Filipinos, let's say, living in the U.S., right? There's so many Filipino immigrants in the U.S. Um, There's already been how many generations of Filipinos in the U.S. So having to include that narrative and that story is incredibly important because or else you're going to have the next, you know, seven to ten generations of Filipinos that are totally disassociated with who they are. We're so much more than that. We're so much more than, you know, the Emilda Marcos jokes. We're so much more than being the the nurse or or anything like that. We're so much more than that. Our culture is our culture is so much more than that. And the only reason we are so much more than that and we do we our, our culture thrives in that is because we love. We love what we do. We love people. That's 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 the cultural thing about it. And that was the strongest thing that I've always felt has made made me Filipino is the way I I feel like I I love people in such a strong way as like and not like like in a relationship love, but that's like the human race as a whole, like everyone's connected. I feel like most people. Filipinos, when you really break it down, are that way. We joke that everyone's cousins. Like, oh, yeah, everyone's staying at our house. I might not know them, but they're probably our cousin. Yay. The massive capacity to love and to care for the people that are around us. And I feel like that is very strongly Filipino. I love that you say that because we just uh, talked about that in our dating episode where um, Filipinos are highly emotional creatures. And also they it's because they love deeply and, uh, you know, the the kind of hospitable trait. Right. Like my house is always open to you. Like that is a regular Filipino household trait. Right. Um, And just um, being caregivers, not even in a nurse sense, but like even, you know, caring for your fellow uh, community, like, or your neighbor, like that is uh, inherently a Filipino trait. So yeah, it's incredibly fantastic that you mentioned that because it's like, I know I'm Filipino because of my capacity and my ability to love so deeply for my community and for people around me that I know for sure that is an inherent Filipino quality right so yeah you're totally right like you know if that type of Filipino heart doesn't make me Filipino I don't know what is because that is really one of the most like Filipino values there are (laughs) no one will feed you like we do (laughs) nobody I I personally I have yet to go to a party that is thrown like a Filipino party like it's about spending the time together. It's not it's not about the food you're cooking and it's not a, it's a little bit about the showing off. <laughs> but it's 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 not about the prep. It's all about the it's all about the the enjoyment of it. I feel like it's also very distinctly Filipino to not 
it's it's not about the work it's about the end result it's about whatever you put in it's i feel like filipinos are very industrious in in when it comes to oh this will better somebody else this will better something all right head to the ground wheel wheels are going let's do this and then to see the benefit at the end of it and see the joy at the end of it i feel is also something that is very and it's never it's never about them it's the joy of like what everyone else receives from it is also very i feel very filipino i know there are other cultures that are definitely like that in the sense of sharing but for for my truth <laughs> although i do challenge that in a in, in a sense where you know how there's a saying called like don't burn yourself alive to keep other people warm and you know i know specifically for the filipino immigrant experience for people who have really trudged through working through getting settled you know in north america for example right they don't want any trouble they assimilate deeply you know sometimes they are really being wrong discriminated they're being threatened and they they keep their mouth shut and you know for the purpose of keeping the peace and making sure everybody gets to benefit sometimes that is what they do they they kind of downplay themselves or their culture or what they have to say they invalidate their own opinion and in that sense like that's kind of like where it's like no like you matter <laughs> you know what you have to say is important and what i love about what's going on right now is that even though let's say the old generation may have had that type of mindset and that type of demeanor you definitely do not see that with the younger generation now there's some that are that goes over their head maybe they're still too young but like you said as i got older right and you can see it online and in the type of media you consume as well um there's so many loud and proud filipinos out there the younger generation that are really trying to like fight for it like i'm fighting for my culture we need a place on the table. Like, screw it. I'm going to make my own table. Like, you know, here we are. Yep. You will see my Christmas tree up in September. You will see those Christmas lights up since September. You will see all of that through Halloween and Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's, I'm just so excited that I hope I kind of figure out or maybe somebody will explain it where there is there's this surge of energy right now with younger Filipinos really claiming their identity, us including, that's why we started this podcast, <laughs> right? There is really a surge in different, um, you know, different industries, whether it's arts, whether it's, you know, music, whether it's just, uh, we are really seeing a surge of it. And I'm really excited and hopeful that really our stories are going to be common. People are going to be interested interested that's the thing it's like you can't just enjoy our women and men without, <laughs> without caring about what their life story is about as Filipinos <laughs> yes that's like saying like I like you but please don't ever speak what <laughs> I like you we're going to spend time you're only going to eat my food and you're only going to say the things that I tell you to say because those are the no 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 that's not everyone has something to give and if if and Filipinos have a lot to give. <laughs> 
And um, so just to, you know, change over into um, learning more about actually what are some steps that you've taken to look deeper into your roots, to look deeper into um, uh, into your heritage, like since you've had this like moment of inspiration to really look deeper um, into who you are in that part of your heritage, like what are some steps that you've taken that you can maybe share actually, or even drop some resources for our other listeners out there. There's so many half white, half Filipinos out there, and I'm sure they would totally enjoy like learning like, Hey, like, you know, this is what I did to know oh, more yeah. about, you know, that part of my culture. It was, it was really overwhelming when I first started Googling things because I didn't necessarily know what to Google. I, because being a Filipino American and there is so much uh, colonization history in the Philippines, it's like, where do you start? Do you start in the Philippines and start way back there? Or do you start just here in the States? And so I've kind of been flitting back and forth a little bit for, for many different reasons. But like one of the very first things I did was I talked to my partner. I was like, I want to get the Rosetta Stone. I think it would be really nice. And so I've been working on that. I was like, I will say this. I don't necessarily know how, for anyone who's out there, I don't necessarily know how conversational it is. So I will give you that. Do you practice the words? No, I haven't tried to make my mom yet. Um, I've thrown a few things out there at like Seafood City when I've gone grocery shopping and I've gotten a few weird looks, but you know, it's probably expected and probably sounds really bad. I'm trying my best, but I will... But I will say I have one of the resources actually you gave me was um, uh, Tagalog with Kirby. And so I was looking up a lot of um, her stuff and I've kind of signed up for her newsletter for when they have another beginning class uh, because she does speak. She does uh, on her website specifically state that she does conversational, which in listening into some of her videos sounds more of like what my mom sounded like. And and more distinctly, like one of the words that Rosetta Stone teaches me is uh, which is to run. But she says it is when she says it, it's and just takes out the first end of it. So I'm like, OK, so these are all little switch ups. And even when you were doing the you your um, 101 and like and then in Rosetta Stone, that's what you say to say goodbye. And then you're like permission. And I'm so confused. So there's that. <laughs> realistically, uh, besides the Rosetta Stone, the very next thing I did was started looking up podcasts and your, the Filipino Friday was the sixth one that I'd clicked on. And it was the only one I could understand because all of the other ones were in Tagalog and like some English words where I, what I, what instantly hooked me with, with your, with y'all's podcast, the fact that it was mostly in English. And then when you would say words in Tagalog, you would then immediately translate them afterwards. So it wasn't, it felt like I was being more included in the conversation and what was going on. And it legitimately felt like these were the first like three Filipino friends that I'd ever had in my entire life sitting at a table, just chilling. Like I would be walking around the house laughing at things. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I really feel that. (laughs) The whole point why um, uh, we also translate is because a friend of mine who is Filipino, she shared her podcast with friends and there are some friends that she has that are non-Filipino. They're just full on like, you know, cornbread white. (laughs) (laughs) And like, but they're like, they're curious, like, okay, I want to know about this culture because nobody really like 
they they wouldn't know about our culture at all. They wouldn't know our stories. But for those who are open minded, like they thought it was like really interesting and they wanted to know, um, like just hear about it. And so for us, it's also important to also include, you know, um, to include them in the conversation, like not only for the halfers, but also for others who may be non-Filipino and are just curious and learning about our um, learning about our culture. It's also important to just extend that. Right. And I've legitimately had told a few of my friends like that I was going to be on this podcast like, oh, it's so cool. And I'm like, but realistically, if you want to know what it was like for me growing up, just listen to these. Just just listen to this. This is very, very on point listening. And like, especially the very first episode and kind of going off there was really starting to fuel, fuel the fire. So I started messing with my Instagram algorithm and started just liking a bunch of Filipino things and about four likes in my entire algorithm changed, <laughs> which is creepy, but great. And the, the most recent, I think I had a note on it. Uh, the most recent one that I had found on Instagram was Philippinex Pages. That's actually a friend of mine. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a really good friend of mine. So um, yeah, they were a first called Titas and Tomes, and then they switched it up to Philippinex Pages. Um, they're an obviously huge uh, bookstagram, and they have a great following. And the resources that they've shared is incredible, right? Absolutely, um, a lot. There's. It's because it's a great amalgamation of books. There are books that are distinctly of the Philippines and, and things that had happened in the Philippines. And then there's also distinctly books that are of the Philam experience. Shout out to Natalie and Tiffany, changing lives. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I They recently just came across um, my, you might, like um like two or three days ago when I was started scrolling and that was also another thing that kind of felt like I was popping into because I've been trying to with the election and wanting to truly support uh really try to support small businesses but also support my culture I've been very conscious of where I'm spending my money and how I'm spending my money and so um with like with Pat, I've been really trying to look up like Filipino clothing brands and Filipino clothing stores and small Filipino businesses that might be like doing those kinds of things. And they had all kinds of little things on there, like clothes here in the U S because we are so amalgamated and everywhere else, like, and, and, you know, a, a kind of a melting pot of cultures, like nobody really should have to just go. I hate this phrasing. Nobody should have to go back where they came from to learn who they are. Like it's the world. We have the internet. The world is so readily available at our fingertips and being able to discover all of that and find a way to, I think what it really kind of is, is trying to learn to find a home within yourself. Everything is so, so many of our culture has been diluted or so many of it has been um, gone and disassociated with uh, the Filipinos who are in the diaspora. Right. This, like that's why it's even more important to have that um, representation, to have that type of narrative um, out there, because it is the only other way we can connect, you know, with who we are in our culture out here outside of the motherland. Right. It doesn't mean that, oh, I have to go back to the Philippines to know what it is to be Filipino doesn't need to take that it doesn't not at all and here in the u.s that's kind of how we're we no matter who you are is that's how we're taught to structure ourselves our our um our 
value, our identity, everything is based in your job. And so when you're in the arts and all of a sudden your job goes up, who are you? Who are you outside of theater? Who are you outside of, of, you know, spending, you know, 10 out, 10 to 12 hours a day in one building with all these other people pretending to be other people in different plays. And so um, I think really like everyone losing their, their jobs, it really kind of becomes a moment of like, okay, so outside of my job, who am I? And I feel like with that has allowed this search to happen and with everybody having, and with all of these protests and, and all of, um, and all the civil unrest in the U S and hearing and seeing those who are oppressed really getting the chance to finally take their stand and, and, um, fight for for what is right and what is theirs and their placement in society i really has feel that has given a lot of minority cultures some gumption to kind of go you know what i'm going to take some time to really f- these these people know themselves the, the the black community really knows themselves and as you can see the work that they've had to do every day to learn themselves because they've had to because they didn't have any of that in the u.s all of that is kind of in the same sense like all of that was taken from them when they came over and so seeing another community really fight and learn that i feel has also kind of given a lot of other minority communities that fire to go who am i where do i where do i sit in this fight what does what do all of these things actually mean to me and how can I assist with my own voice? And so I I feel like that's kind of been this great uprising of like, I'm going to find out who I am and I'm going to use my voice to boost my needs and the needs of everyone else in our community. What you just said is just incredibly profound. I first have to thank you. It's just, you know, have have and I hope the other listeners resonate with this and they they feel it the way that I do in this conversation right now because knowing how there have been others who really struggle like like they were incredibly heartbroken you know for those who had uh, felt themselves isolated lonely heartbroken because they you know didn't know how to figure out who they are but really, you know, come into yourself, like coming to your own, into your own identity. So it's just, it's just incredible to hear. And then like, you know, I feel so honored to like witness and hear this in this, in this interview and this conversation. You mentioned to me that you actually had um, got the opportunity to um, go back to the Philippines a few times. And uh, you're definitely fortunate more than maybe some others who may have never yeah, stepped foot in the islands of the Philippines, you know, can you describe a little bit about your experience when you're whenever you would go back? Can you describe kind of how your experience um, makes you a bit hyper aware that they highlight how much that you're not like them? (laughs) Oh, you're so pretty. Like, tell us a little bit about what that experience is like whenever you would go back to the Philippines for vacation. Yeah, I remember the very first time I went back, I think I was 13, um, we got off the plane and were, uh, sh- uh, we were put in a jeppy with like 18 other people. And I was like, this is really crowded because um, <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, yeah, there's no seatbelts, there's no traffic lights and there's no lanes. <laughs> it's honestly very impressive. Um <laughs> Um, or like so many, how many people they can shove in a little, like the little tuk-tuk cars on the side and like you get the two on the bottom and the two in the seat and then you got someone sitting on your lap and you're like, how is this bike not falling over? (laughs) 
Um, but when, so the first time I had gone back and it kind of happened both times, um, real, realistically, there was one specific incident that happened when I was a little bit older, but the, the first two times we had gone, there was very much, very lots of commenting on, um, oh, we're from the States, whisper Tagalog around us and like kind of giggle and stuff. And it's like, okay, we're kind of used to that. Our mom and our friends do that to us all the time. And then we ask them, what are you guys talking about? They're like, nothing. And then they, you know, keep on their conversation. It was very much like, oh, you're so pretty. The mixts are always so pretty. And then they're like, and then it would just turn around and be like, oh, you don't understand because you're whitewashed. And you're like, I feel like I just got slapped twice. I'm so confused. Anytime they had a chance to kind of get a laugh out of us or use this kind of as a little bit of a laugh. Um, they did. Um, I know my, there was one particular moment. I've never handled a live crab before you buy them from the store and they're dead. And they had handed them to us. I was like, Oh, cool. A crab. And then it bubbled at me and I screamed and threw it. And then they were laughing at us like, Oh, silly Americans never held a crab before. And they were treating you guys like a novelty. Like a novelty. Yeah. Yeah. It was a total novelty. And like, it was the first time we had gone, it was very sheltered. We weren't allowed to really go anywhere um, without my mom. Like we, the farthest we could go was down the street and get some like soda in a bag. But it, it really, the first time I went, it was very much of like a novelty. And then the second time I had gone, I'd gotten older. I'd filled into myself. I didn't finish my food. I went into my room and my mom had come into there and she's like, oh, you know, they didn't mean it. They don't mean anything about it. They're just saying that because they're poor and skinny. And I'm like, that's not that's not okay. I'm glad you feel for me, mom, but also what you said is not okay. And, and, and she's like, I'll go talk to them. And she said, I heard her outside saying the same exact thing. She's like, don't mention my daughter's weight again. You're only saying that because you're poor. And I'm like, that's not mom. No. Now I got to sit with these cousins and like still eat with them. That's a weird ass. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said, I'm like, do we got to go there? Like, can you be like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, how how's the Philippines been for you? Like, was there anything interesting that you notice? Is there any place you want to go? Like, literally, they could ask so many other things. But then what they would be like, oh, why don't you eat like your sister? Or how come you're that? Are you serious right now? Do you, need me to, do you need me to tell you it's because I can eat? Like, in a sense where I have the ability to? Like, come on. It's like, do I really have to bring up the fact that I'm a, like, that I was from the U.S.? Because you guys do it all of the time. You do it for me. Like, there was, there was that. And we, and even then, it still really wasn't that we couldn't, we really couldn't go anywhere. It always felt that it, we were, like, very sheltered and protected. And nobody really everything kind of went through my mom, even if like people were, they would kind of like more or less talk to my mom and then in kind of the scope talk to us. So it never really felt like one of my mom's friends homes. It's my, this is my mom's friend. Everything's friendly, but I'm probably going to end up sitting on the couch for a majority of the evening on my phone. And that was not, that was definitely never ever the experience that I ever wanted. Like I would definitely always wanted to love and go places. And my mom took us places with her, but it was, 
she spoke for everything. She ordered our food for us. They ordered our food for us. They did the Dinaguan trick on us where they told you like, oh, it's, it's just, it's just don't, don't, you know, don't think about it. It's so pork and soy sauce. And you're like, okay, it's not, it's really not. And it's still delicious, but it's not good for you. Um, <laughs> um, and so it, it's, that's kind of, that's really like the, one of the reasons why I really want to become more in tune with my language and my heritage, because if I go back, I want to be able to have more of those experiences and be able to like, you know, call a taxi and go to the beach and hail a boat person to go out on a boat and, and stuff like that, or order basic things and experience. A more mm-hmm. authentic Filipino experience rather than yeah. like the guest or the tourist or the visitor especially since you are inherently Filipino. So it's like, um, no. It's, it's getting caught in this really like, um, what I just kind of determined it is this gray area of like, you, you are these things. But it definitely leaves you confused when it comes to identity, right? Like, where am I? I'm gray, but I don't quite understand. And it's hard to yeah, like the white side won't necessarily appreciate like your other culture, but your other culture doesn't necessarily like share it with you. So it's like it's such a fine line because I feel like it, it really it becomes less like for me, it was less of like I hate being Filipino of just like it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's it's not if my if my mom who is, you know, is is not assisting me in what I'm finding or has brought it up at any point in my life, I'm from, from just my learned perspective, it's not going to be important enough. It's not going to be something worth putting my energy into. Why should I learn how to just say hello and goodbye and stuff like that if I'm never going to plan to go back? And it, it was very easy for the longest time to just not think about it. It's, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I get really tan in the summer and like I get really darker and in the winter I lighten up and maybe I should just kind of stay inside more and mm-hmm. those kind of things. And it really, I really, I really hope that whoever, like if, if there is anybody who kind of feels that kind of clash inside of themselves, it's because I personally feel there's a part of you screaming to get out. And the more you fight it, the more it's, the more there's going to be just un unrest in, in, in oneself. Yeah. It's been incredible kind of really listening and getting the perspective of somebody who has gone through the work and has gone through that, um, experience because I'll be honest, like if you were different, like you in, instead of taking those experiences and having it become negative and toxic, you've allowed it to be like, you know what? No, like I'm going to learn more about this. I'm going to go back to the Philippines one day with confidence and like go out there and really have that type of experience. Because if it was somebody else, they could have full on like rejected that part of themselves and full on rejected that part of their culture and be like, you know what? Screw it all. I'm going to be white. I don't care. Right. They're not going to teach me like I can't find it. My family doesn't really want me to really be more in tune with my culture. And whenever I would go there, I would have a negative experience. Somebody they would be talking behind my back or not include me into anything. Forget it. I don't want to be Filipino. I hate being Filipino. Like, that's so unfortunate. Mm hmm. Because you're going to see all these things and there. I really do feel like no matter even if it wasn't important, 
there were still places that my mom took me. Like there's this little cutout hole in Arizona called hollow hollow. And we go to, and it's one of my favorite places. I really feel like there's no matter if that's a part of you, there will always be a part of you that calls out for it. There just always will be. And it's, it's something that I would encourage everyone to just follow. Even if, even if it's just a little bit, even if you only focus it to your specific family, it's still something that will feed you. And I think anybody who does it is should, if, if you do do it, do it for yourself. Don't do it for anybody else. Don't do it for any of your other family members. Don't do it for, cause that was the one thing that was really scary was at first I started trying to do it for my mom. And then I realized it was, it wasn't specifically like the embodiment of her, but going through her to the Philippines is what I wanted. And so kind of trying to keep that specific connection, but not going like, mom, I'm Filipino now. Look at me. That's not, that's not kind. That's not why I'm doing this. And I, it's, it's really, it really has helped me feel like I'm growing truly into my, into a self that I feel like has always been on the inside of like my little pity stomach. You know, one of the, as uh, Filipinos are one of the greatest exports, that means there's a lot of uh, Filipinos in interracial relationships and a lot of the, let's say, halfers that we say, right, they sometimes really can't associate with what it means to be Filipinos. They, they've never really gotten to get in touch with that part of themselves. So to be able to hear your story is incredible. And we thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Now, we like to wrap up everything, you know, at the end of every interview and every um, every episode with something uh, trivial, right? Something fun just to kind of change it up from the serious conversation. <laughs> right? The deep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Have you thought maybe for yourself, you know, one, you know, one day in the future when you get an opportunity or a chance to go back to the Philippines, not just as a relative, as a, as a tourist or as a guest, Right. When you go back one day, what is the first thing you're going to do or what is a place you want to check out or, you know, what is the first thing you want to try? The, the biggest <laughs> I have the best answer. Um, it's, it's actually something I've talked to my partner about a lot. Uh, I am in an interracial relationship. Uh, my partner is German Irish and um, he has a die. He's he was formerly dive certified and he loves diving. And I've always wanted to go diving, but I'm scared of the deep ocean. But the only place I've ever truly ever wanted to go diving was in Cebu during the whale path. Like when the whale go, when the whales go by and you can go diving in Cebu. And so I definitely have always, always wanted to go with him there. And he's, he's, and I, and I, and I love him to death. He's been 100% supportive and has been like, even with COVID anything he's like if you ever need anything ever want anything ever it's it's the trade-off support I might not have it from my mom but my partner who I met from a completely different family is here for me so <laughs> get it where you can that's incredible and then and you know especially in this type of meaningful journey for you like um that type of support is um it, it it comes in in spades. Like it's huge. Like it's transformative because as you continue to learn more and more about yourself and your culture, to have that emotional support, to maybe have as a sounding board with some, you know, some questions that are confusing, like just feeling like you have somebody who really just has your back and is an open ear and um, allows you to really discover more about yourself without, you know, fighting it. Like it's, it, it means 
uh, yeah, it's huge. It's it's very meaningful. So I'm super super happy for you, and I really hope you get to uh, you know dive in Cebu. That would be so exciting. That's yeah, so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I hopefully when this whole COVID stuff is done and over with, you know, somewhere in the future, you're gonna get a chance. I would recommend, and I don't know if you know already, Cebu apparently is the origin of lechon when you go back there and you stay in Cebu Cebu is the the home the original um, lechon place right and there's probably going to be a street or a neighborhood out there that has like just like a line of like lechon houses Mine. Yeah, all those carts eat all that up and just enjoy it and um, yes. I, I'm like super excited to hopefully see in the future that you get to dive you get to travel around there my dream myself you know hopefully in my lifetime before I pass somehow is to visit um, most of the islands at least in the Philippines there's some that are just totally like off the grid and they're and you can go camping like right on the beach and like sleep under the stars and like need a boat to go there there's a place I think I saw called uh, it's it's either Twin Lakes or Twin Lagoons, and it's supposed to be like it's supposed to have like some of the bluest water in the Philippines, and I definitely want to go swimming there. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. So yeah, I don't know maybe you know maybe I'll see you there, girl. <laughs> right, right. When COVID, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna we're when COVID is over, we'll take a pit stop up to Canada. We'll all wrangle it in. We'll fly over. We'll just have a trip. We'll make it happen. I'm I'm down. I am down. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um for sharing your story with us today thank you for having me please tell our listeners you know for for some that kind of want a a buddy maybe and learning all of these like you know these resources and learning more about uh their culture like do you want to share kind of where they can find you or how they can get in touch with you yeah um if Anybody who ever wants to reach out and chat, um, my Instagram is at share, S-H-E-R underscore the underscore fun, share the fun. Um, also, uh, in my emails, I am Cheryl Williams at gmail.com. Uh, if there are any film Filipino directors out there who need an intimacy coordinator, I've been training for four years. You can hit me up. I specifically really do want to start working with Filipino and Filipino American directors. So I'm excited. Like if somebody like, you know, wants to be like, Hey, let's learn about our culture, buddy. Like they can like, you know, connect with you and be like, Hey, what are some resources you've, um, you've done or like, Oh, um, do you know of anything else? But you've definitely sh- shared some really great ones, like one down media with breaking the table and the PNX pages. And, you know, really it's like, if it, if you feel it in your heart and it's kind of, you know, annoying at you and you kind of feel it in your, in your gut, it means like, Hey, like look into it, like do something about it. And there's so many things out there online. It might get overwhelming, but like, there's so many things out there online. I just really appreciate your time and really appreciate you being open and sharing your experience with us. Like, um, there's so many out there. There's so many film hackers out there. Thank you. I hope that was okay. I'm like, I was hella rambling. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this episode. We thank our guest, Cheryl Williams, for sharing her thoughts with us. Yeah, we just hope, you know, for all of y'all out there, half-word Filipinos, mixed Filipinos, we hope that at least in this episode, you feel understood, you feel like you can relate, you feel like it resonates with you. Um, just know we got a lot of love for y'all, right? The Filipino side of your fam here. <laughs> we fam, man. And we got a lot of love for you and you are Filipino enough and we hope that by sharing Cheryl's story um, you feel a little bit more closer to your Filipino identity for yeah. sure we got y'all we see you we hear you yeah. quick uh, quick tip if ever uh, any of you halfers out there go back to the motherland I want you to know that you will be treated like gods <laughs> you are like god to them halfers foreigners they'll just see that you're mixed you're you're Jesus to them. Okay, there's God, there's Pope, and then there's you. Okay, that's that's how in shock they will be. Yeah, instead of ever feeling alienated, feel empowered. Exactly. Right? Y'all are sexy, mm-hmm. right? You got your half Filipino. You could go to the Philippines, get in touch with the motherland. You could walk around with this admiration. Yeah, it might be a little weird. But be empowered. Be empowered that you have a Filipino side of you. And be empowered that you, you're a sexy, good-looking person. <laughs> Just uh, maybe watch out for your wallets, though. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a different episode. We'll, yeah. we'll give you some tips next time, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. All right, so this is the Filipino Fridays podcast. Make sure you follow us on all our social media. Don't forget to email us. Make sure, show some support, guys. Share the podcast. Uh, sh- show us some love. Tell your friends about it. We're trying to gain some support, some more listeners here. That way we could really take this to the next level and continue to serve you and serve our community. So thank you so much again for joining us. These are your hosts. OJ. Archie. Archia. Let's get it.